0: most people think I'm crying during that time. It's not really. It's just an uncomfortable silence. You know what I mean? It's uh, all about uncertainty is what we're talking about, right? Good morning. So, yeah, is it? Okay. I developed a cold overnight, and so uh, yeah, I feel like I'm sweating like I wrote a bad check, man. And uh, it's just, I don't think it's going to get any better, to be honest with you. But part of the fun of doing that, too, is the people online are like resetting their their server. They're like, <laughs> the screen's frozen, man. What's going on? So, that's for you, you know, good stuff. All right, so we, we are completing the New Normal series today, and, and we're talking about uncertainty. And so we've covered a lot of ground in this series, as you know, and um, I get passionate about it, I guess, pretty much like everything that I do. It's part of being Irish, I suppose. So um, I can't take as long today as I did maybe last night, but sometimes the Saturday night people really get a face full, you know what I mean? So we'll see how it goes, you know. Sorry about that if you're... Saturday night, I don't know, well, it'll be fun, but when we're talking about uncertainty, we're really dealing with a subject matter that people hate, but at the same time, they love it, you know, and it's weird, it's like, you ever get that piece of skin there that you sort of pull up, and and, and it goes a little bit too far, and it hurts like crazy, but you keep pressing on it, because you're like, oh, man, I like that, but I don't know, I'm not sure why I like it, you got one like right now, if you don't, go ahead and peel up a piece and do it the whole service, it's a lot of fun, it's just like, oh, that hurts, why am I still doing this? But uncertainty is really that way. You know, it's funny because we, we hate uncertainty and we do everything we can to avoid it or to eliminate it, but at the same time, in a sick way, we hide in it. You see, if we can prove to society and prove to ourselves that uncertainty is the law and you'll never be sure of anything, then you're never really accountable for anything, you, you never have to take responsibility for anything because you can say, if you don't like it, it's going to change. And maybe uh, the public opinion will change to adapt to the way I think and make me feel better. And even more than that, we begin to change friends and change groups and circles that we hang out in so we feel better about the choices and the things that we do, don't we? So we, we really have taken it upon ourselves to sculpt normality, so that it fits us. And so in that way, we love uncertainty, but we also hate it because we're trying to change it all the time. It, it's kind of crazy. Well, it's been said that the only thing certain is uncertainty. We can count on change, right? I mean, we all think that, don't we? I mean, I, I, don't, I think every state I've ever lived in, which is almost everyone at this point, Somebody will say, oh, if you don't like the weather in Nevada, just wait, it'll change in five minutes. Actually, that's one of the few places it won't change. It's pretty much the same hot, rotten all the time, you know what I mean? But when I lived in Missouri, oh, Missouri weather, just wait five minutes and it'll change. Virginia, Florida, you know, rains at 3 o'clock every day, 3.15 comes back through and it's gone. I mean, but it's always changing, so we, we, we kind of, we say that's our thing, but think about a teenager or even, it's not even teenagers anymore, it's really just everybody. If we feel uncomfortable, we begin to change because we're uncertain as to how people are receiving us. And so we change our clothes, we change our hair, we change who we are, we change the group we identify with. I mean, you know, uh, uh, my daughter just entered sixth grade and you know, I, I watch her and I'm interested to see how her style would begin to change based on other people's opinions. I've tried my best to build her as the a, a type of person, a young lady who isn't being swayed by everyone else's opinions, but you know how it is. She's with them more than she is me. And so one day, you know, a student comes, and, and being a student pastor, I've seen it so many times, they come in, they're a jock, you know what I mean? They got their, their trainers on, they got sweatpants, the whole deal. Next weekend, they come in, they're a goth. Next weekend, they're a skater. Next weekend, they come in, they're a prep. Next weekend, they come in, I don't know, they probably made a new word up. They're emo or, or emo derivative or um, pseudo-emo, slightly, I-do, ido i do not know. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it, it's fun to create new words, too. That's the other great thing about uncertainty. Any physics teachers in here? I don't see Amy in here today. I think she's traveling. Amy uh, um, Callahan, she's a, a physics teacher. But in physics, we know of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Do you all know that? I mean, I'm speaking to a very educated crowd. I can tell that already. So I probably don't have to take a any time and talk about wavelengths and particles and stuff like that, but, but what, what it basically means is that the fabric of the universe was woven in uncertainty, which is very interesting. The fundamentals of science would say that you'll never truly be certain, which is interesting, because it flies in the face of science, doesn't it? Steve? Yeah. Heisenberg uncertainty principle. I'm not sure. If you know, exactly. <laughs> That's the right answer. Man. Credit one dollar, Steve Peppers. Okay. See how many you guys do well for me, I'm going to credit your account. Okay. <laughs> I told someone last night I could I could have their name uh, struck in from the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, I mean that's funny. I don't, I'm just kidding. That's not true. But I got you, man. You got power. <laughs> I got nothing's what I got. So the key verse, the key verse of this series is Judges 17:6. In those days there was a king in Israel. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Wow, that seems so foreign to us today, doesn't it? I mean, you you look back on that culture and you're like, what kind of people, what kind of barbarians would do whatever they felt like doing and not pay attention to anyone else's thoughts or feelings and just live their life according to how they viewed uh, the way things should be? Can you imagine that kind of alien society? Man, those backwards people didn't have access to the modern you know, information and sciences and all the things that we possess. So look at how crazy backwards they were. Man, come on, you know I mean? It hasn't changed. That was 1350 BC, was when the, is the framework of Judges. 1350 BC, and it hasn't changed yet. And it didn't change, that wasn't new to them. Now, it does beg the question in this, though. In those days, there was no king. And so chaos reigned, reason being because God ordained leadership. God did ordain leadership, which is part of what we talked about already, and I'll get over that in just a second. But God ordained leadership, and without it, there's chaos, which is part of the problem, ladies and gentlemen. The problem that we deal with uncertainty is we have no leaders in our lives because we are our own leader, so consequently, we make every law around us and we become our own planets and we, and with our own gravitational pull. And we collide into each other and we cause all this drama and this mess. Trust me, I'm an expert at it. So Buddy started us off by talking about social media, right? The new normal in social media. He gave you these points. Don't lie, don't elevate yourself, and don't let it consume your life. That's great advice, Because what's happened is is we're so uncertain with who we actually are that we create a false persona online, and then we elevate that persona. You ever watch the show Catfish or heard of it? So interesting. You you create a profile that's not you, and you end up getting someone to fall for you, and, and it's not even you. And then these guys catch you, and they come confront you, and it's like, oh, I didn't mean to do it. I just didn't know who I was. You know what I mean? But that's what happens. They lie, they elevate themselves, and then it consumes them. The falseness consumes them. The next, uh, buddy talked about authority. If we live under authority, we have protection from God. We don't have to fear. We have a spiritual advantage because we're on God's side and we'll be trusted with authority. But that's what happened in Judges is they could not, they, they would not have a king at the time. They had no one in control, so they did whatever they wanted to do. They had no authority but themselves. Chaos reigned. Authority is God's designation for protection for us. But the new normal is, I am my own authority. In fact, the new normal is mocking authority openly on every possible platform and utilizing social media to do it, isn't it? And then we even have authorities mocking other authorities. It's sad. Next, gay (laughs) embarked on the hard path and went straight after marriage, which we know is a high point of contention, right? So what did Gay say? Two people trying to get married are two disparate planets trying to merge their atmospheres together. It's really difficult. Outside of God, almost impossible, wouldn't you say? But there's unity in that diversity, and marriage transforms us into the original design of who God created us to be, and it restores us and redeems us because, in fact, it mirrors who God is this eternal community, this eternal oneness. But what's the new normal? I like it the way I like it, and if you don't, get out. Next. That's, that's the truth. But we don't just do that in marriage. We do it in everything. Everything. We, we have a two-year plan for our phones, or one year, or whenever we want to upgrade. Upgrade anytime you want. I think the new one is. And that's the way we live our lives with friends, family, marriage, and otherwise. We're on maybe a one-year contract with everything, but that's not God's plan. Lastly, she talked about injustice, and that strikes really deeply today because we look around the world and we see injustice everywhere, don't we? We wonder how in the world could somebody get up in the top of a hotel and shoot into a crowd of people that they never met, have no idea why they're there or what's going on, just whatever acts they have to grind at that moment. That is unjust, isn't it? It's not fair. It's not right. We see people on the Internet getting their heads sawn off because they don't think the same way as another person. And we see children being sold into sexual slavery. I watched a TED talk the other day and this guy was talking about human trafficking and, and how prevalent it is. And I was thinking, man, New York, LA, Chicago. It was in Richmond. Richmond is one of the, the linchpins of human trafficking in the United States. You know that right down the road? Kids being stolen and sold into slavery. It's an injustice. What do we do? We stop, drop, and roll. First off, we have to stop thinking that we're in charge. And that everything that we think is right. I'm the worst. I'm gonna tell you a lot about myself during this message because it it speaks very plainly to me because I stink at this. I'm the worst at thinking I'm right all the time and making sure that other people know that I'm right all the time. I've got a big mouth, believe it or not. And I put my foot in it, which is equally large. So it has to be big, that's good. God's good that way, big foot, big mouth. Remember the, set, the concentric circles of concern? We talked about this in the, in the series earlier. Me, family, church, community. Here's the crux of the matter. I'm just going to get down to the, I'm in a rare mood today. It could be the confluence of all the drugs that I'm taking this morning. Uh, legal, over-the-counter drugs. Don't get me the wrong way, sorry. <laughs> Is that, any police? <laughs> check for bugs and stuff. Okay, sorry. Um, no, truly, it's just, but you know, when I take one pill, it's like, well, why not take five? It's got to it's be five times more effective. That's not why. Sorry, Tony, it's my fault. So, doctor, me, family, church, community, here's the deal. Every decision that we make affects everybody else. We wish that we could make a decision in a bubble and that we could do something to ourselves, whether we blow ourselves up, whether we elevate ourselves, whatever we do, and it would only affect us, but it does not. It ripples all the way out to the end of the world and further generationally. That is the truth. That's what happens. And if you don't believe that, then you really need to to take a second and square yourself away because that's exactly how life works. But the question is this, and this is what we asked before, is what makes the original ripple? What drops in the middle of that me circle to create the waves? This is the crux of the problem. This is the crux of uncertainty, and this is why we're here today. Why? Because we... Are the the first initial cause of the drop. We are our own gods. We are in control. Everything that happens revolves around us. Everything that people talk about is about me. Everything that happens is about me. Everything that, that goes on in the world, how does it affect me? That's all. So we create our own initial ripple and I will tell you this based on, on examples of my own life is the stream and the ripples of negativity extend on even beyond my generation to my daughter's generation and beyond. And I am a ripple of the negativity that has been passed on to me. God wants to be the first cause. God's desire and relationship with you and I is to be the stone that drops in the middle and creates the ripple. If that were to happen, then the me, the family, the church, the community, the world, and generationally, there would be wholeness. So why uncertainty? Why chaos? Why trouble? Why shootings? Why beheadings? Why sexual slavery? Because all of us have dropped ourselves in the middle, and we've created this negative ripple that keeps smashing into each other. Here we are. People say, what's the meaning of life? That's the meaning of life. The meaning of life is, what is the first cause in your life? What is your first cause? Is it you or is it God? This is the battle. It's between you, me, and God, period. Everybody else is a second circle, So what we're dealing with today when we talk about uncertainty, my friends, is us, you and me, and God. So get ready to do some business because what I've determined about myself is I've spent a vast majority of my life being a fake and a fraud. I've spent the vast majority of my life having this outside veneer, but inside being at constant war with God over who's going to sit on the throne of my heart. When it pleases me to put God there because it makes me look better or it makes me feel better, then I do that. But I'm always reserving the finest spot of the throne for myself so that I can make the decisions when it's time to make the decisions. Why? Because, of course, I know myself better than God. What's the definition of uncertainty? Uncertainty is a situation which involves imperfect or unknown information. In other words, it's a term that's used in subtly different ways in everything. It's funny, you look at the list of all the different fields it's used in, I can't believe the dictionary even took the time to do that because we all experience uncertainty, don't we? Is there anyone who's never been uncertain of anything in here? If you are, come on up here with me. We all experience it. Question is why and what we do about it. So let's answer it. However, in my uh, exhaustive study, and I do, that's one thing I do, I dig and dig and dig. I, I'm a great verbal archaeologist, so I dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. It makes me feel better about myself. I'll get to that in a minute. But I did uncover a really stunning definition of uncertainty online. The definition of uncertainty was being uncertain. <laughs> and I said to myself, wow, man, <laughs> that is strikingly simple and great. And so after I get my education and become a weatherman so I can never be wrong, um, I decided to become a definition writer to get a little extra change. <laughs> Give me another one. I mean, I am 100% sure that I can write those definitions right there and make a little pocket change. You know what I mean? So if you guys need to know the definition of any crazy word, let me know, and I'll tell you exactly what it is. I'm really good at that. Being uncertain. Thank you, Merriam-Webster. We strive for Perfection. We strive to eliminate the unknown. That When we look at the definition there, the two words that really stand out are imperfect and unknown because we hate those things, don't we? I mean, I'm not picking on science today. It's, just, it, it's easy for us because it's the, the arm and the wing that really does all the digging and investigating and, and explaining the unknown. I mean, there's, I don't know how many shows on every day that talk about unpacking the unknown exploring the unknown. We hate the unknown. So we do all that we can to figure out how to to do it. We search, we test, we explore, and we eliminate the unknown. Because we don't want anything unknown in our lives, do we? We don't want one crevice of the ocean unexplored, one corner of the galaxy unexplained, one piece of the human mind that we don't map, no part of the human genome, where we came from and where we're going. We want everything explained. We do not like the unknown. And even more, we hate the imperfect which is why we sculpt, we mold, we fix. If we didn't mind the imperfect, there would be no plastic surgeons. But we can't stand the imperfect. Problem is, is what's perfect is always changing. It's uncertain. That's how they stay in business. We hate it. So let's talk about the the regular causes of uncertainty. Number one, it's a lack of knowledge comes right out of the definition. We do not know what's going to happen. We're in the dark. We're blind to the consequences, and we have no perspective. We are uncertain because we don't know what's happening, and let me tell you from a personal example, I despise this feeling almost more than anything. In my heart of hearts, I have to know everything. It is a burden, and it embarrasses me So I'm telling you from my heart how much I hate that aspect of myself that I must know everything and I can't stand not knowing. And in fact, I will trade a good thing. I will trade a great thing. I will trade potential happiness and bliss for the certainty of knowing that I can be miserable on my own because I don't know how it's going to turn out and it scares me to death. That's me. I hate it. I hate not knowing. I'm spending a lifetime figuring out where in the world that came from. And I've got some ideas, but it kills me inside. Secondly, we hate a lack of understanding. Uncertainty comes from a lack of understanding. And that's even worse than a lack of knowledge because you know what's going on but you can't comprehend it you can't understand it we can't fathom what is going to happen it's beyond our comprehension and we cannot believe it's to be true so we're paralyzed am i making that noise maybe it's my pen i hate not understanding something more than i hate not knowing something I mean, you guys don't even realize what it's, you might, some of you are probably like this and you just don't admit it, but what it's like, if I don't understand something, like if you come up and ask me a question, first off, my personality type is, if you come and ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer whether I know it or not, because I cannot stand to say, I don't know. So I, there's been times in my life I have lied, I have made up things, I have done whatever I could because I just couldn't fathom saying, I don't know because it hurts me so bad. And then, because I don't know, I will go home and dig and dig and dig and sit up at nights for hours, sleeplessly trying to figure out what it is to satisfy my mind. And you, I, when I was a kid, it was crazy. I, thank God I didn't discover crystal meth at that time or I wouldn't have slept for months. Truth. But I would sit up until I couldn't keep myself up anymore, trying to figure out what the, I need to know. I've got to understand. And it just kills my soul. And not just me, but the people around me. There's people in this room that know me better than I know myself, I can tell you that. And they bear the scars of this. It's terrible. That's the power of uncertainty in my life. Did you know that about me? Did you know that I agonize over things, not knowing something, not being able to give you an answer from the Bible, why I teach myself Greek and Hebrew and Akkadian? Because I have to be able to answer your questions. I have to know. Lastly, it's lack of control. We refuse to make a decision because the consequences are uncontrollable. Uncertainty comes from a lack of control. It's the snowball effect. We'll form the snowball, but if we let go, what happens then? It's out of our control, and we can't stand that, which goes right back to the ripple effect. We must be the first cause, and if we are not in control of every aspect of what's happening, we can't tolerate it because we're God, We are God, and thus, we must control every circumstance. And if we can't control it, we eliminate it. If we can't control our spouse, we eliminate them. If we can't control our children, then when it's time or when we can legally do it, we get rid of them. We change jobs, we change cars, we change whatever we have to because we have to have control. Do you see how insidious it is? Uncertainty. The pain of not knowing how deep it it just digs into you. You change whatever you have to to gain control. Well, it it reminds me, it's funny, we're so egocentric. We're so us-centric. Everybody know who Galileo is? Galileo was interesting. At the time, Galileo was an active scientist, a member of the church. Um, Everyone believed that the universe rotated around the earth the earth was the center of everything everything revolved around the earth and he challenged that obviously and offered a heliocentric um, theory meaning everything goes around the sun which i think we were pretty well settled that that's the case at least in our galaxy it it rotates around the sun and, and he was persecuted for that in fact He was so persecuted, he was excommunicated from the church, which meant the church damned his soul to hell because he was willing to wrestle control of the knowledge that they had away from them. That's how important it was. They damned a human soul to hell. Not that they could, but in their minds, they could. That's what they did. Because... They wanted to be the center of knowledge. They wanted to be the center of everything. And the earth and us are the center of our own little galaxy. That means to me that you and I are no different than them. We're willing to damn ourselves to hell so that we can be the center of our own galaxy, so that we can be in control. You realize how powerful that is? Funny thing about Galileo is I I felt bad for the guy anyway. Do you know what his full name is? Galileo Galilei. (laughs) What kind of parent is that? Jeez, what should we name our son, Mr. Galilei? I don't know, how about Galileo? (laughs) I mean, mean, that's pitiful right there, man. That's bad parenting, so think about that next time. What's your last name? Baker. It's Bakery Baker. I mean, it's no good, man. Galileo, Galilei, it's sad, makes me sad. So what's the common responses to uncertainty? Well, first off, some people fight. Some people fight. Some people run towards the uncertainty. We call those people heroes, first responders, people like that. And we saw it at 9-11, we saw it at the Las Vegas shooting, we saw it at all these different places, we see it in our military every day. We see people who who set things aside to charge forward because it's either duty, thrill, or both. But the reality of it is, when faced with uncertainty, the choice that's made is I will go forward. And again, what's the motive? I don't know. It's different for each person. Some people have a sense of duty. Some people think about loved ones. Some people just want to to go down in a hail of gunfire. I don't know, honestly. But there are people who, when shooting occurs, they lay on top of other people to make sure that they're not hit. Those people fight. They're few and far between, to be honest with you. But that's one response to uncertainty. The other one is to take flight. This is much more common. Most of the time, people run away. They find an uncertain situation, they don't know what's going on and they just get out of there. They take flight, they run. You see a lot of those people, don't we? And it's funny because they go and they run and they say, maybe if I get out of here, I can sculpt a new set of circumstances that's more favorable for me. So we, in effect, wanna roll the dice one more time. Reminds me of journey, don't stop believing, (laughs) right? Working hard to get my fill, everybody wants a thrill. The chance to roll the dice just one more time. Some will win, some will lose. Some are born to sing the blues. Thank you. Free coffee for Melanie Cobb. (laughs) Hold on, let me. $1 credited Melanie Cobb. Okay. (laughs) So, don't stop believing. We wanna roll the dice one more time. Why? Because life is a dice roll for us and and what we do is we get to have the power and we stand and we roll it and "Ah, I don't like that roll, let me scoop those up and go for that boxcars one more time. We get out of the situation, we push the people away, we do what we have to do so that we can roll the dice one more time and maybe we'll get in a situation that we have full control over. Once again, wrestling control from God and the universe and everyone around us roll the dice. Some people just give up. Some people just quit. You ever seen those people, they're faced with a situation, they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know to go left. I don't know to go right. I'm just going to stand here. Hope they don't see me. That doesn't work for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If we're ever in this situation together, stand behind me and you're probably safe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the reality of it is, People just stand there, they're paralyzed, they're frozen because they don't know what to do. They don't want to make the wrong call. They don't have the guts to go forward, and they're not, they don't know if they go backwards, if that's the right thing, so they just stand still. It's the ostrich syndrome. They put their head in the sand and hope for the best. Now, you think, oh, man, how many people really do that? Man, remember when the Mayan calendar was coming to a close? That was some of the best parties you've ever seen on earth, man, because people are like, I don't know, I'm not sure if the Mayans knew what they were talking about, they're not around, but that's a good looking calendar and looks like the world's gonna end tomorrow, so let's party. <laughs> you, you see, you've heard the phrase, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you may die. That's the way they live. Man, there's a huge list of these. I mean, if you never heard, have you heard the phrase, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you may die? How about, here's one that's more common for the younger folk. I'm gonna party like it's 1999. <laughs> you know, is that, is that better for you? Okay. Rolf, you like that, do you? Get your prints on? Okay, pal. I knew it. I can see it in your eye. Doves cry, you like that too? All right, we'll talk about that later. So here's the thing, man. There's predictions. In my stupid geek brain, I had, and that's true. I do have that, by the way. I, I printed out a list of all the recorded doomsday predictions all the way back to, um, I think it's 66. Literally 66. Year 66 um i mean there's pages and pages of people who predicted the end of the world you know what's funny is is as we got towards the 1900s these resulted in some of the coolest parties of all time (laughs) because people were like well shoot man if the world's ended tomorrow let's get it on tonight you know what i'm saying let's go for it i and i was reading through the list and i started laughing i was like oh man people i I was like guessing who's going to be in a list and i read the list last night and no one laughed at all so i was like well that's me I'm not funny at all. <laughs> but in my mind, it made me laugh, and that was all that was good enough. So incidentally, <laughs> scientific predictions, like religious people, they've predicted the end of the world. Well, the latest one is September 23rd this year. Um, David Mead missed that one. Sorry, David. But uh, thankfully, and then there's a couple of, of spiritual people. The, next to the furthest one is Rashad Khalifa, who is a biochemist, but also a, uh, a Muslim, says that 2280 is the end. And then there's just John Leslie, who's way out there. He says the year 11,120. So if you're looking for a longer existence, go get with John Leslie. However, the scientists, God bless them, I appreciate that. The, the earliest end is 300 million years from now. So good on them. You know what I'm saying? Or, yeah, so I appreciate that and then the furthest is 10 duo trigatrillion. So at any rate, at any rate, if you want to have your uh, progeny carry on then you may just want to become a blind scientist and go for it. So but it gives us a, a, a some insight into human nature of uncertainty, doesn't it? We would rather party and and waste the last moments of our life instead of making things right and and loving the people who are with us and just give get, you know, face down, drunk someplace, and whatever happens, happens, Then just let the waves hit us and take us out, huh? So biblical reasons for uncertainty, what does the Bible say? Well, first off, it's lack of perspective. The Bible says that uncertainty stems from a lack of perspective. Isaiah 43.8 says, bring out the people who are blind yet have eyes, who are deaf yet have ears. Doesn't that describe so many people that we know? Man, they've got eyes and ears, but they can't see or hear anything. The Bible says that we are uncertain because we don't see what's really around us, and we don't hear what's actually happening. We don't see God at work, and we don't hear his voice talking to us, so we're uncertain. And we don't see or hear him because we're on the throne of our own hearts, and our own flesh has blockaded our eyes and plugged our ears. This is what God is saying. You are uncertain and unstable because you have covered your eyes and plugged your ears yourself. Thus, you have no perspective. Matthew says, let them alone. Let the blind lead the blind. That's what Jesus said. If you choose to ignore God, you're blind and you will get a cadre of people following you to just lead and wander around. But you choose it. We choose our blindness and our deafness. We have chosen to ignore God, period. We have a lack of perspective. The Bible says we also have a lack of trust. The Bible says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, you would read this most of the time. People read this and they say, that's living in sin and doing this, that, and the other. Okay. What James is actually saying here is this. You trust culture. You trust flesh. You trust these things more than the unseen God. And because you do that, you're an enemy of God's. Because you trust, you put your trust in what you can see, touch, and feel right in front of you and yourself, really, you're an enemy of God's. Because you can't trust both. You and God are not both the first cause. God and myself are not both the stone that falls into the pond. It's either him or it's me. So James says, You adulterous people, you have a first love. You have a first creator. You have a stone that's fallen in the water. Yet, you desire what you make and what you do. You're in charge. Therefore, you have chosen to be an enemy of God's. Now, that is strong language because though I have several enemies in my life, God is not the one that I want to and join a fight with. If he is who he says he is. But yet... That when we choose to blind ourselves, deafen ourselves, and have full control of our lives, we are enemies with God. Of course we're uncertain. Because we don't have all knowledge. We have no idea what's coming. Nor do we have the power to actually make anything happen, do we? The only thing that we have the power to make happen is destroy. And we're great at it. The final thing the Bible says is, you're uncertain because you have a lack of peace. You have no peace. John 14 says, peace I leave you. Peace give I to you. Not like the world gives you. Jesus' last will and testament, his bequeathment to us, peace. Do you know peace? Because I know what not having peace feels like. I know what's sitting up at nights and wondering why is this happening? Why am I doing this? Why am I destroying things I care about? Why am I in this situation? What is going on? Why don't I know what's going to happen? Why am I so confused? Why am I so angry? I have no peace. It's because I choose not to. It's available. So if you sit here and you say, I have nothing, it's because you've chosen it. Quickly, biblical response to uncertainty. Bible says you're supposed to seek. Deuteronomy 4.29, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and soul. If you want to eliminate uncertainty in your life, look for God. And don't just wander around like you're shopping at a supermarket looking for the best value. Search for god like you're looking for the one movie that's 399 at the bottom of the bin and you have to have it you know what i mean i got that one the fifth element director's cut 399 you know what i'm saying i got to have that bruce willis you seek with all that you are can you you and me can we just talk Are we doing that, for real? Can you honestly say to yourself that you're seeking God with all that you are? You know what it looks like when you're doing something with all that you are, right? you purpose in your heart, man, I'm gonna lose weight and I'm really gonna do it, and some of you actually do it because you do it with all that you have. I'm gonna get this education, you do it with all that you have. I'm gonna run that marathon, you do it with all that you have. You know what it's like when you do everything you can to make something happen. Are you or I seeking God that way? As if, we don't, if we don't have this, we won't survive. Only you know the answer to that. God says, you want to eliminate uncertainty, seek me with everything you have. He also says that we have to trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the Lord says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and who makes straight your paths. We wonder around on this windy, crazy road, and we get to these little stages of our life, and we look back and say, man, why is life so stinking hard, man? Why is it so difficult? Why is it like this? Why is it so complicated? It's because your path's not straight. Why? Because you don't trust God. You trust yourself. You're your own GPS, and you've never been there before. Can you imagine a GPS that has no map? What use is that? But that's the heart, We wander through life with no idea where we're going, what's happening, or who's gone before us, or where, nothing, man. And we say, where am I? We wake up one day, we're like, how did I get here? God says, if you trust me, if you seek me with all that you are, if you trust me, I will straighten your path. Wouldn't you want a straight path? How comforting would it be to get up in the day and say, I know where I'm going today, that way. But we don't, because we don't trust, except ourselves. How silly is it that we put our trust in ourselves every day when we know we stink at it? How ridiculous. And then we still shake our fist at God. Why is this happening to me? Man, and God's like, are you serious? Pull your fingers out of your ears, man. God says, You've also got to humble yourselves. Galatians 2:20 says, Paul says this. This is the hard part. Paul says, "I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And anything that you see good that's happening, anything good that this rotten flesh does is not because of Paul, it's because Jesus Christ is now living in me." This is the secret. The three ways to eliminate uncertainty. Number one, you search for God with all your heart. Number two, you trust him to straighten your path and eliminate the nonsense. And number three, you gotta die. Because your rotten heart and my rotten heart do nothing but mislead us and lead us down the path of destruction. You know it and I know it. Stop messing around. Look back in your life and your history and see the broken hearts and broken lives in your wake and in mine. Mine. Live with me. I have to die so that I might live. The answer to your uncertainty, to your anxiety, to your fear, seek God with all that you can because it's your last shot. Trust him to hold you up when everything else is crumbling and go ahead and die. Because we call it the beautiful exchange. Funny thing, you lay your life down. God gives you his. He takes your brokenness and your uncertainty and your pain and your anxiety and your crooked path and gives you his straight, peaceful, easy path. Is life easy? No. Does he guarantee you to be rainbows and sunshine? No. But what he does is guarantees you a straight path to him. Your life for his life. You choose. What's our response? What's our response? Surrender. Surrender. That's it. There's nothing else. God will tolerate nothing else but full surrender. I am so sorry if you've walked in here at any time or walked in anywhere at any time and gotten any other message than that. God does not care if in your mind you think, yeah, I believe who you are. I believe who you are. The Bible says the demons believe in God. So belief in God is not enough. Obviously. Oh, I believe in you, God, and I I appreciate you. God says I want all or nothing. That's hard to hear. Because in our world today we want to just you know just peel off a few and like oh, I'll give you a little. God said no, I want it all or I want none of it. In Acts chapter 8 there's a story about a guy named Simon the magician I'll tell you very quickly. Simon, a very interesting character, was a magician in Samaria. He did magic tricks. But he impressed people. And they gave him money. He had a huge cadre of people around him all the time. It was incredible. But one day, a disciple by the name of Philip comes from Jerusalem to Samaria and starts preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, healing people, raising people, changing lives. People are now believing in the name of Jesus, and everything's changing. And Simon says, man, that guy's got power. That's awesome. And the Bible says that Simon believed In Jesus and got baptized. Incredible, right? What would we say? Man, Simon got saved. He believed in Jesus. He got baptized. And then Peter comes. And Peter begins to pray over the people and anoint them with his hands. And the Holy Spirit falls on the people. And they begin to change. And they begin to emote this power in the Spirit that no one's ever seen before. And he anoints them. And Simon runs up. Does he say, Anoint me. He says, no, give me that power. I want to touch people and give them the spirit. Give me this power. And Peter looks at him like Jesus did to Peter one day and said, I rebuke you. You have no part in any of this. You better pray that God doesn't kill you before you have a chance to repent. That doesn't sound like what we've heard before. But Simon said he believed. He even got wet. Peter said, no, it's all or nothing. You want the Holy Spirit, you want salvation, then you surrender. It's not about you anymore, it's about him. How many Simons are in here today? I had to ask myself the same question. How often are you a Simon? It's all or nothing, man. This new normal that we've created, It's a farce. It's a farce. It's it's a charade. The normal has never changed. The normal is you and me versus God. The question is, who's going to have the throne of your heart? Because God demands nothing less than all of you. And if you have not and cannot in good conscience say, I have given all of myself to you, God, there may be a problem. You do not want to walk out of this door as a Simon. You know what Simon's response to Peter was? Peter said, you pray. Simon said, you pray for me. We attach ourselves to people who we think are holy and special and anointed of God because we don't want to do the work and we're scared to death that maybe we're wrong somehow. Once again, letting uncertainty rule our lives. Are you willing to walk out of this room today as a Simon? You want me to pray for you? Okay. This ain't my fight. This is between you and God. It's between me and God. You can't do anything for me, and I can do nothing for you but present you the truth. I've done that. Now you have to do what you gotta do. Will you walk out of this room as Simon the Magician or walk out of this room filled with the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ and leave uncertainty behind. During this worship song, if you want to get yourself squared away with God, come up here and do it. Just come up and do it. Don't care what anybody else does. Who cares? We don't have time for that anymore. Come up here and do it. You can do it anywhere you want, frankly, but why not do it together? We started this together. Let's finish it together. Let's pray. God, you're awesome. God, you've given us a chance. I appreciate you, God, so much. God, thank you for who you are. Let your Holy Spirit fall. Let your conviction reign. Let your truth resonate. I believe you're doing the right thing, God. In the name of Jesus.
1: In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, and my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what me home here in the power of Christ I'll send till he returns or oh, cause me home here in the power of Christ
0: I send I'm sad to inform you that I have removed your ignorance now you have no way to stand before the Lord and say in no So now it's on us, right? Whatever we're gonna do. If you choose to take Simon out of here, that's on you. I I don't want to anymore, man. I'm sick of it myself. So this is the place that you can just deal with what you got to deal with. This place. It's not worth taking out. Why fight God anymore? What a losing battle that is. Look at the wreckage in our lives. Isn't that enough of a clue? It doesn't matter where you do your business with God, whether you go home and just don't let the day pass because we truly are uncertain about tomorrow, aren't we? At least in this flesh, we don't know what's gonna happen, but we do know that we will all stand before the Lord one day and give an account. We can be certain of that. So maybe we should do business and deal with the one thing we are certain about.